Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for free. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com slash busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, Bully Ray and I talk all about Monday Night Raw, especially the opening segment with your WWE champion, Drew McIntyre, the challenger at Extreme Rules, Dolph Ziggler, and how about this, a surprise of all surprises, Heath Slater. We get into that segment on this edition of the Busted Open Podcast, plus we have two amazing guests. Gabriel Iglesias, the stand-up comedian, the Netflix star, the wrestling fan. We talk to him and talking about stars. How about the stars of all stars on WWE programming? The Miz joins us for an awesome interview. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Were you surprised to see Heath Slater last night? I, 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 I was not, unfortunately, because it was all over social media that Heath Slater was at Raw. Oh, well, I must have missed everything. Yeah. I'm glad I missed everything because I when he came on, I popped. I was like, oh, wow, Heath, cool. And the minute, yeah. I saw, the minute I saw him with Dolph, I kind of knew with the, where they were going. I, I enjoyed that segment last night. It was fantastic. I, it's a shame that it has to be ruined. And this is what drives me nuts. And I and it's and it's unfortunately the world that we live in that, you know, and we and again, bully, I, I, I the proof is in the pudding, bully. This show has been on the air now for eleven years, right? Number one uh number one sports talk show on Sirius XM, right? Yeah. We have never we have never done spoilers on this show. Since day one, we have never done spoilers. So it shows you that you can thrive and survive in this world of, you know, pro wrestling, you know, journalism or pro wrestling talk or whatever you want to say without spoiling. So and Dave, Dave, how easy would it be for us to spoil stuff on the show? How quickly could we get information between the four of us? You know what? We could do a whole show on just spoilers. We could open up every show with a spoiler. Now, we do rumors. We talk about rumors. I'm not saying that. But we have never done spoilers. We have never come on the air and spoiled the show. Now, there's people that get upset because maybe there's a show that they haven't been able to watch. But once it airs, I'm sorry, it's fair game. But... 
But uh, we have never, ever done spoilers. And again, this show has been on for 11 years. Like, and, and now in this age of social media bully, it's almost impossible to avoid. So like, it, whether it's on social media or hell, how I found out about Heath Slater, I just remembered it wasn't on Twitter. It was on like I was going on to I was Googling something and then, you know, how they show little headlines. It, it showed it. So it's almost impossible to avoid it. And I get it in this in this day and age with dirt sheets. You know, I want to click you're 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 trying to get that clickbait. But you know what? What could have been an amazing moment? Still was a good moment last night, but that could have been an amazing moment if I didn't already know that Heath Slater was going to be there. Uh, I popped for him. I'm glad that I didn't see anything on social media yesterday. Um, and like I said, I thought it was a good segment. And what, Dave, if you agree that it was a good segment, what made the segment so good? What made the segment so good again, and you said this time and time again, Bully, is the realism. Like he like right off the bat where he's saying, like, I know my catchphrase is I got kids, but I have two kids two kids that I have to support. You know what? I don't do it justice. Let's go to Monday Night Raw, courtesy of WWE.com. Here you go, Gabby and Guns. The Heath Slater audio from Raw last night. And how you know that I love you is because when you got released, I called you every day. Where were you for me? I haven't spoke to you in how long? Exactly. You don't even know. Surprise that I am here today for. You promised me something. You said you would petition to have a match with me. And what happened? I'm on the unemployment list. That's what happened. I mean, think about what he just said. Like, I'm listening to Heath Slater last night on Raw Bully, and I'm like, holy shit. You know, Drew McIntyre, real bad friend. Like, you had, you had when you got released... And you got let go. Heath Slater, who is still with the WWE, probably felt a little guilty that things didn't work out. Made sure that he called him, gave him words of encouragement, inspired him each and every day. Said it, I called you every day. And you know what? When it happens to me, you don't even pick up the phone and check on me. I mean, the first thing I thought of was bad friend. And this is the... You know, the, the bought fans that are in the performance center. But I'll tell you what, if that was an arena full of people, that would have been a disaster for Drew McIntyre last night. I don't think that they would have given the same verbiage to Heath Slater because he made entirely too much sense. He, in, in his honesty, he was right, correct? Yeah. There, you're sitting back going, wow, Drew, you weren't that great of a friend to this guy. What the hell is going on? So they definitely took a risk with that segment last night, but the but I like it because it was real and they weren't afraid to go in that direction. Uh, Heath Slater wasn't being a heel or a babyface last night. He was just being an honest human being with his friend Drew. And when you're an honest human being or just a human being, that's relatable. Because any that same situation with Heath Slater and Drew McIntyre last night could have happened to you, me, or anybody listening. Where a best friend 
or a good friend has you felt wronged by them or they didn't do the right thing or they didn't pick up the phone and call or they just didn't treat you the way you thought you should have been treated. So very, very relatable. It came off well. The only part of the segment that I didn't like, which I would have done a little bit differently, was at the end. I thought that after Heath lost, Dolph should have tried to help him up and then just stuck him right there with the DZT, which I love, by the way. Not a DDT, a DZT. Yeah. And just stuck him. And then that's where Drew could have come back and made it to save. Because Drew could have just beaten up Heath like, you piece of crap, you know? Look at you. There's a reason why you're not here anymore. Just started beating him up, and then Drew and comes and make the save. Yeah, just, a mean, tiny, just a tiny little thing that they could have done differently. Well, I mean, I, I was just happy that they did something. Because I was really afraid that that segment was going to end with just Drew McIntyre leaving. Because I'm thankful that they had Drew McIntyre go into the ring and help him up and help Heath Slater up and then and hug him and hold up his hand. Because I was like, dear God, if they let Drew McIntyre just leave without going and approaching Heath Slater, that could have been disastrous for Drew McIntyre last night. Yeah, there definitely could have been a couple of instances where, as you said, if there was a crowd there where it might not have gone the WWE's way. But I thought it was a good opening segment based in realism. I got it. It was a good good use of Heath Slater. Hell, I hope they bring Heath back and do something with him. I've, I've always liked Heath. Um, th- th- there's a spot for a guy like that uh, everywhere. I'm wondering... Did, did you mind that he lost as quickly as possible? Should there have been uh, no. a little bit more of a like a little bit more of a story? Like, listen, I, I'm not I'm not saying it had to be a monumental match like we saw with Flair and and Shawn Michaels at, at WrestleMania to end, you know, Ric Flair's career where they have this great match. And then at the end, like Shawn Michaels is like, I'm sorry, and then gives him the super kick to end the match. I'm not saying it had to go that length, but, you know, have a little drama in the match where Drew McIntyre's afraid to give him the Claymore because, hey, that's his friend. He made a lot of sense. Like, you know, this is I, like I'm afraid to put away my friend after, especially after everything he had just said to me. Uh, no. Okay. Um, when was the last time you saw Heath Slater wrestle? I don't even remember the last time I saw Heath Slater wrestle, to be honest with you. I, I know I know he was a former tag champion and everything else, but you know, he was not always on the winning side. He was always the underdog most times when he would step into the ring. When was the last time you saw Drew McIntyre wrestle? I mean, every time he's the world champion. So <laughs> my yeah. point my yeah. point is a guy like Heath Slater, who is farther down the card, who hasn't had a match in forever, should not present any type of a problem for your world heavyweight champion right now. Um, the, the business that they did was fine. Plus, Heath was they were the, you know Heath was in jeans. I guess Drew was in jeans also, but no, they, they did what they needed to do. It, it's that ending, like when when Drew helped uh, Heath Slater up, like Heath pushed. Um, I'm sorry, when 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 Dolph helped Heath Slater up, Slater pushed Dolph first. I would have loved to have seen Dolph like reach down to help him up and then do something to him, which would have sent Drew back down. That's the only tiny little thing I would have did different, but I enjoyed that segment a lot.
Fantasy Sports Radio is 10 years old, and we're celebrating the top performers of the decade with the Diamond Awards. Here are Fantasy Football All-Decade Team announced Wednesday morning at 9 Eastern. Play the Bell, touchdown! Plus, our Fantasy Baseball All-Decade Team Friday morning at 9 Eastern. Out of here! You can be inducted into the subscriber ring of honor. The 10th anniversary of Fantasy Sports Radio on Sirius 210, XM 87, the Sirius XM app, and however you stream at home. Heath Slater last night I thought was, without a doubt, the most powerful segment of what we saw last night, Bully. I'm wondering, is that it for Heath Slater? We had Heath Slater on the air here on Busted Open uh, shortly after he was let go. And I'm wondering... Seeing the response on social media, knowing what the response would have been if that was an arena full of people, is there any chance we see more of Heath Slater in the WWE? When I look at Heath Slater, uh, I say to myself, can this guy be on TV every week entertaining us and doing something? I say yes, but then I wonder, would the WWE do that? Who knows? They ha- they didn't do that a lot with him in the past. He had bit roles here and there, but every time they asked Heath to do something, he always did a phenomenal job with it. Um, there, to me, there's no reason why a guy like Heath, who's been there for so long and has been a, a, a good soldier for you, who's made people laugh, who show, could show last night with his promo that he can do some serious stuff also, why he should not have a job. And if not with the WWE, somewhere. Is he going to be your world champion? No. But can he be in entertaining segments? Absolutely. I would have loved to have seen Jinder come out last night also. Or I'd love to see them do something with Jinder and Heath. I, I think that the ship has sailed now that you've done it with Heath. But Jinder was a part of Drew's past. Heath was a part of Drew's past. Both of those guys coming out together. or I don't know where Jinder is. Is he out hurt or something? Yeah, he's, he's, he's injured. Okay, but even if he came out for a speaking segment, I don't know. I, I'm just saying, like, if, 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 if Dolph had access to the both of them, that would have been even deeper last night. But Ginger did go on to become a champion himself. So yeah, and not only that, Ginger's well. still with the you know Ginger's still with the company. Heath Slater, you know, getting you know everyone knows he was kind of let go, and. You know, and we kind of talked about this bully with Heath Slater when we had him on. He was kind of always the comic relief. We never saw the side of Heath Slater that we saw last night. You know, it's the same thing with Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre was the chosen one. That never really got over. Then they threw him in a horrific gimmick like three-man band. I, I get it. You know, looking back on it, there's some people that actually said they enjoyed it. But let's face it, at the time, it was a terrible gimmick. And Heath Slater has always been a gimmick. But after watching him last night, I, I, I kind of want to see that Heath Slater. This is where it's like almost criminal when you don't really get to see somebody do the best work that they possibly can or being in a position to succeed. You know, it's funny. Heath Slater, to me, has never been in a position to succeed with the WWE. And then in... A segment last night where he loses a match in six seconds, I thought that was the best segment in a position for him to succeed. Uh, sometimes in a company like WWE, once they have you typecast or pigeonholed or have a certain idea of what you are or what they're going to need you to be, you can never get out of that. And 
Heath Slater was there for a long time and was always used in a certain role. He gets let go, and then all of a sudden, somebody on the writing team says, hey, let's bring him back to do this. And 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 within five minutes, you see the guy has range. You yep. see what he can do. And you're like, well, if he was that good last night, why didn't they do that with him for the past 10 years? I know. It's because they put you in a certain role, and they compartmentalize you. You have your five minutes to get over, and within then in, in those five minutes, they decide what they're going to do with you sometime for an entire career. And, and some guys and gals are able to get out of it. Some, like Heath, not able to get out of it. I think last night, you know, they always talk about grabbing the brass ring. I thought last night Heath did. I mean, what, and, and the, the, the brass ring isn't always the, the World Heavyweight Championship. The brass ring can be anything in pro wrestling because we live in a world of sports entertainment. What is the most important thing you can do in a wrestling ring, Dave? Two words. Get over. Did Heath Slater get over last night? He did in a big way, yes. There you go. Did Heath Slater get the segment over? Did he help get Drew over? Did he get himself over? He did. All those things. So if a guy like Heath can prove to you what he can do, even though you haven't give him, given him those opportunities over his career, take last night and run with it. Now, Keith Slater uh, with WWE.com after Monday Night Raw in a post-show interview said this. He goes, I was just, it was just something that had to be done. Me and Drew, we go way back. He is a brother of mine, and he promised me something, you know, and I wanted it. So I confronted him, and thank God it happened. But then again, you know, he's the man. He's the champ. He's my best friend, a brother inside and outside the ring. Pretty sure he's... Pretty sure he still loves me after he helped me up. He gave me a hug. I hope anyway because he's a bad dude. But no, this was a nice closing of a chapter. So let's see what the future brings for me. So he mentions a nice closing of a chapter, but he also talks about the future and what the future might bring for him. If I'm the WWE after what I saw last night, I bring him back. Uh, Dave, I agree. Um, he, he's a good hand to have around. Maybe maybe they don't want good hands right now. Maybe they're overloaded with talent. Take Heath Slater. Have him do something in NXT. I'm all about taking guys that and gals that are really good at what they do. Although you might not have a spot for them right now, put them in NXT and help shine up some younger talent. There's no reason why you can't do that. I know. I mean, I, I think it's important. And, wh and why not do it? I mean, you have the, the capacity to do it. Again, we always talk about it, Bully. Put, put your players in positions to succeed. Why not do that with Heath Slater? Especially, we saw a layer of Heath Slater that we have never, ever seen before. So now that you've seen it and the fans loved it, and it was a home run segment. Listen, the best segment of the show where there were some really good segments last night. You have to capitalize on that. I got to be honest. I'd rather see Heath Slater in the ring with Dolph Ziggler after watching that segment than Drew McIntyre in the ring with Dolph Ziggler. There are guys <clears throat> like Heath Slater, even more so than Eric Young, where I just scratch my head and go, what is wrong with you people? How do you not see the talent in these guys? 
How do you just use them up, throw them away, and now never to be seen from again? I, I don't get it. Too talented in everything they do. Are they going to be your world heavyweight champions? No. But are you using them to the maximum you know, of their ability? They're using them to their full potential? Absolutely not. And last night, Heath Slater gave us a glimpse into his potential. He told a great story last night. It was a real story. I know I was hooked. I was hooked from the minute I saw Heath come out. It made sense. I wasn't scratching my head. I wasn't like, why are they doing this? I didn't find myself saying, I don't understand. I got it from start to finish. How many times are we getting a story on WWE where we're like, oh yeah, we get this from start to finish? It's, it's, you know what? There's times they just, in the middle of a story, just it just floats away. And we never get a final, you know, climax all the time, bully. And and it, and and it, that final climax is very important. And I think with this story, they had everyone's sympathy. I understand that that's not a a paid crowd that we saw last night. But every while he's while while Heath Slater's talking to the world champion, everybody in that performance center was clapping for Heath Slater. He's throwing truths and really verbally knocking, you know, somebody who is supposed to be his best friend on his ass. And everyone's clapping. <laughs> Sorry. What? I got a case of the giggles. Sorry. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, man. Everybody's clapping. Imagine if there was, as you said earlier in the show, uh, imagine uh, there was uh, 20,000 people there. If he made, and he would have been making perfect sense to everybody. Baseball is back. Oh my God! Oh my God! 60 games in 66 days. Opening day is July 24th. Forget about labor disputes and prorated pay. Now it's time to lace them up and win some ball games. They're going crazy! Hear every bit of breaking news and analysis leading up to the 2020 season on MLB Network Radio, Sirius 209, XM89, and the Sirius XM app. There's no summer sports, Bully, so you might as well tune into Cannonball on Thursdays, and there's a lot to get into, so let's talk to the one and only Ms. Ms., how are you, man? Thank you very much. Friend of the show, never in my career did I ever think Anyone on Busted Open would say, I'm a friend of the show. But I feel like we've we've made a turn and now it's almost like it's almost like I'm complimented too much on the show to where now people <laughs> will, will basically go against you and be like, dude, why are you always talking good about the mids? Well, you kind of suck lately. You think? <laughs> Listen, I've been a fan from day one. I try to c- convince oh, LaGreca on almost a daily basis. I'm like, no, the guy's really good. He's good on the microphone. He's entertaining. You know, he's got the show. Now he's got this other show. And LaGreca <laughs> has finally come around. And that's why you're here, because he finally came around, right, Dave? It only took 15 years for Dave LaGreca <laughs> to come around. But, you know, he's coming around. And I don't even think it's the, it's for my wrestling. I honestly think he sits there and watches Miz and Mrs. all day. And that's, I do. And that's how he came around. That's it's a bonding he experience he, with my wife. He, he does come on the show, and he sometimes he'll say, wow, did you see Maurice on the show last night? And I'm like, Dave, stop talking about Miz's wife like that. 
I, that is Honestly, completely I not talk, like, I talk about my wife like that. She is an incredible <laughs> human being, and she looks fantastic. Little That's known funny. fact, Bully, uh, original co-host with me, Doug Mortman, was fired from the show because he didn't like The Miz. I said, I can't, I can't have this anymore. Out with Miz and then in with Bully Ray. I think it was fair. I think it was a fair trade. Listen, I, trade. I've been a Miz I mean, fan for a long time. I I and I, I now know why. You know what? It's like an album. Sometimes when you don't like an album when you first hear it, and then it grows on you, and you learn to love it, and it's a classic. That's the Miz. He's one of my favorites, and not only because of what he does in the ring and on the mic on WWE programming, but like you said, with your reality show, and now with Cannonball. Tell us a little bit about what to expect come Thursday night at eight p.m. Cannonball is the biggest, wettest, wildest water sports competition coming to the USA Network. They actually did a sneak peek on, on NBC to kind of test the waters and see how people would like it. And the ratings were insane and people's reaction were very positive, which doesn't happen very often with new shows. A lot of times, you know, people don't know about it or people don't care about it, but it seems like people care. And if, if these are, this is one of those shows that is an effortless watch. You can watch with your entire family, sit down and kind of escape the reality that is happening in your life right now. Any drama that is happening. I mean, there's so much happening in this world that I feel like we need to escape it and maybe lock into a show like Cannonball that can make you laugh, that can make you smile. And you see these competitors and they're all walks of life. They're tall, they're small, they're large, they're small, you know, they're, they're just... They're every single type of person you could possibly imagine. I mean, we had like NCAA collegiate athletes going up against videographers or radio radio hosts, you know, and, and the radio host does amazing. Like, could you imagine Dave LaGreca going out on a hundred foot mega slide, having to go down, going about 60 miles an hour and flying off of it about 60 feet in the air and having to hit a target with their body. And it's called like the human target for a reason. It's called the human dart for a reason because you're the dart and you have to find the bullseye with any part of your body. And so, I mean, these are the type of challenges that people have to go and do. And it's a laugh out loud funny. It's dramatic. You know, people get up there and say, yeah, I'm going to do amazing. Then they get up 100 feet high and they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> and you see the tears start strumming. The best part is when they go into their fears, they actually do the mega slide and they succeed at it. And seeing the interview afterwards of them in tears that they actually did it and faced their fears uh, really excites everyone. Um, you know, this show has taught me that I have talents and I don't have talents. And I shouldn't go after the talents that I don't have. Like sometimes I just start doing things. Like I'll start singing and Roxy Diaz, my co-host will be like, um, why are you singing? And I go, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> there's a country singer up there and I feel like I could sing a country song. That's awesome. You, you know what he just described is using you as a human dart. That visual just, I, it just came alive in my mind. And the target can be Dreamer's ass. Oh, stop it. That's <laughs> terrible. Come on what now. You, we, can, we can post it. a picture up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to have a target, it might as well be a big one. So, uh, <laughs> was, was this, was this, uh, you hosting this show, was this created for you? Or did you have to like go through the entire like audition process and all that stuff? 
No, actually, this this was this was the weirdest um, kind of uh, development of this. So, like about a, a month before I got the call, Renee Young comes up to me and goes, "Hey, are you attached to this show, Cannonball?" And I go, "I have not heard of this show, Can. I have no idea what it is." And so a month later, uh, my agent calls me and is like, "Hey, uh, they really uh, the, the producers." along with the network, really wants you to do this show, Cannonball. Here's the deck. Once I saw the deck, I was on board. Like, a deck meaning they show you kind of the pictures, they tell you what the game is, uh, what it is, and what's going to be happening, what my job, what my role will be. And it just looked like the ultimate fun-filled amusement park that is all water-based. And I, I, I couldn't ask. Uh, and so, like, literally, they were like, I was – so I – once I said I'm in, then we kind of auditioned people to be beside me. Uh, and I, uh, we, we, we went through a bunch of people. And as soon as Roxy came in, uh, Roxy Diaz, my co-host, she uh, is famed from 106 and Park. Um, and she, it was just instant chemistry between her, myself, and Simon Gibson, who is a comedian that if you don't know his name in comedy, you will. He will be a household name. He kept us laughing the entire time so much so that we would lose time because we were laughing so hard um you know that was just just the camaraderie between roxy simon and myself i really feel gives the show an added boost that you won't see on any other show now miss i may sound like a boomer here so I have been called a boomer plenty of times for, by our production staff. But I know for me, and I saw the clip last night on Monday Night Raw, but you on the cover of TV Guide. Like, you know, TV Guide, you know, for people like me growing up, that was like the Bible that was on everyone's sofa or living room chair. I mean, for somebody now who's has been saying since day one, you're more than just a sports entertainer, but you are truly a superstar. What was that moment like for you being on the cover of TV Guide? It only took me 20 years to get back on it. The last time I was on the cover of TV Guide was for the real world back to New York back in like 2000. So uh, to be, to grace the cover once again of TV Guide, like I'm the same. Like I grew up waiting for the Sunday paper to get my TV Guide to circle the shows that I want to watch for the week. You know, we didn't have you know, the, the luxuries that the kids have these days, we had to wait for the paper to come in. So you get your TV guys, you can circle all the shows. And we didn't have recording. Like our version of recording was getting a VCR, putting a, a, a tape in the VCR and pressing record when the show comes on so you could watch it afterwards. Like that was the whole thing. So now I don't think people have that sort of thing. But gracing the cover of TV Guide is just, it's awesome, man. I mean, it's incredible. And uh, I'm, I'm very uh, I'm very fortunate for all the things that I've been able to do. Like from being a WWE superstar on SmackDown, I mean, I'm six foot nothing, 200, uh, like 200 pounds of, of just nothing. Like, and here I am today, 15 years in the business, have held every major title WWE has. Then to actually be, have my own reality show, Ms. and Mrs., that you can watch, you can stream on USA, to be with my family, to actually, for people to see the dynamic between my father, myself, my mother-in-law, Marjo, my wife, my kids, to bring people inside what is our reality on a daily basis, 
um, really uh, warms my heart when my dad, even though it gets really annoying, tells me how famous he is and how uh, how him at WrestleMania at MetLife Stadium when he got inside the ring with Shane McMahon and put his dukes up and became a meme and became viral, became like the biggest story of WrestleMania. Uh, you know, his 15 minutes of fame is my 15 minutes of hell because now <laughs> I have to hear how he was able to take two seconds inside a ring and make it something. And I've been there for 15 years and I haven't went viral like he has. <laughs> he got himself awesome. over. He, did. he got himself <laughs> over 100%. Let, let me ask you this. With, I mean, with Cannonball now, Ms. and Mrs., you've done movies. Like, how much passion do you still have for pro wrestling? Because you've accomplished so much. Like, what is really left for you to do within the world of WWE? Uh, you know, people always ask me that question. And, like, I, I'm a person that I want it all. Like, I want it all. And what does all entail? When I am not the WWE champion, I want to be the WWE champion. When I am not on a poster for SmackDown or any pay-per-view, if I'm not the front and center, like even if I'm just on the poster and I'm just on the side, that infuriates me. That aggravates me. That motivates me to wanting to be front and center and being the top dog that where WWE looks at me and goes, this is our guy. And I don't honestly feel like I've ever been that guy. I've always had to work very, very hard to become that guy, to be that guy. And right now, I don't feel like I am that guy. So what do I have to do to be that guy? Do I have to get on 45 different shows and show WWE that I can be the main focus of a show? I can draw ratings. I can draw people. I can put butts in seats. People will pay to see me wrestle. Like, that's where like, I'm looking at it and going, all right, what do I have to do to get to that level? And sometimes it's a roller coaster. Sometimes you're up high and other times you have to just kind of wait and wait and wait. But I don't like to wait. I like to make sure that I'm doing everything possible to make sure that I'm giving the audience exactly what they deserve. And that is being an entertainer, being a performer. And now having John Morrison back, that has given me a whole new drive because John uh, motivates me. John like makes me think outside the box and makes me do things that I'm no normally comfortable with. I'll give you an example. John came up to me a month ago and goes, Hey, what do you think about doing a, a music video? And I go, that, that sounds awesome. I don't know how we're going to do it. And he goes, yeah, I was thinking an eighties rock ballad. And I go, well, to do an eighties rock ballad, you have to have a voice and I, I can't sing. And he goes, neither can I, but I think <laughs> we can do it. And I'm like, what, what, what in your grand scheme of things? He goes, we'll get a producer. We'll figure it out. So a month later, here I am. You can go on YouTube and get, hey, 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 oh, oh, oh. And there's a music video and a whole thing. And to be honest, I listen to the song and I sound like I could be in the 80s. I sound like Axl Rose, Sebastian Bach, Joe Elliott. Like we could be an 80s band if we wanted to with this song. I'm shocked this this song isn't on the Billboard charts right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Miz, you talk about the the wave, and I think where you gained a lot of respect from the pro wrestling community is after your biggest moment being in the main event at WrestleMania 27 because you hit that high wave and then it came down, and then you worked your ass off to get back up 
that wave. Did, did you feel that momentum once WrestleMania 27 passed? Not, not exactly when it passed. I felt the momentum start going another way. Uh, I guess you can say like creative changed in, in, in the background. And when creative changed, and I'm not talking about creative, like I'm talking about people, the head, head whenever you, you hear about heads leaving and then another head coming in to kind of, you know, obviously Vince runs the entire thing. I mean, that's just good. But there are different, uh, I guess you can say creative people that are, are different writers that, that, you know, when, when you have a head leave and then another head comes in, he'll have his guys. And when I lost the WWE championship to John Cena, there was a, a kind of a role shift in uh, the writing process. And I, I saw where I was going. I was going to be used to develop new talent because I was just utilized for the past, I don't know, year to make me, to get mm -hmm. me to where I am. Now it's time to make other people. And I didn't have the wherewithal to make sure that I was being made as well. And I didn't have the experience. And I think it took me a little while. Honestly, I think I started developing and knowing my worth when I had a feud with AJ Styles. And AJ is such an amazing performer inside the WWE ring that I think he made me look so good. And, and they, they didn't know AJ at the time. Like they, they, they obviously saw, probably saw videos, but I don't think some people knew that AJ yet. And this was her, his first matches were against me. And they were great matches. And people thought, oh, it's the Miz. But honestly, I think it's the talents of AJ Styles being able to bring talent up in the WWE ring. And then I went on to go to WrestleMania. And from then on, um, I kind of started going up and up and up and up and up. And it just kept going. And then it's funny, every time people get drafted, uh, people don't realize this, but when you get drafted, you're going to a completely, I mean, obviously, you know, you're going to a completely different show, but it changes your career. Like it changes everything. Like I remember being on, on SmackDown and thinking, all right, I'm, I'm primed up and ready for the WWE championship. And this was when I was doing the intercontinental title stuff. And I felt like it was, it was the title that was more talked about than any other title in WWE. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm on the wave right now to get to the WWE Championship. And then I got drafted to Raw. And once I got drafted to Raw, I felt like I went from here and I had to build myself back up. And I was able to do that. And I did it once again. And once I felt like I was ready and primed up for the WWE Champion again, I got drafted again. And it just, you keep going back and forth and you having to build yourself up. Now, Granted, some people don't have to do that, that buildup. Some people are already there and, and they, they just are able to get it. I'm not. I have to be built up and build myself up all the way up there to do it.
Yeah, but I, I got to ask you this. I got to I got to ask no, you why if you've been to the top and then you've been to the bottom. I mean, listen, on the microphone you're gold. I, I've watched so many of your matches. Like I, I enjoy them so much cuz your ability to tell stories. I love your in-ring psychology. I love your false finishes. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but there's got to be a reason. Can you put your finger on the reason why you're not that guy that you want them, you know, to see? What what's that one thing that you think is is missing? Because I don't missing? I, I, yeah, I don't know what uh, it is. Uh, I don't know. I, if if I look at it, if I look at myself in the mirror and I'm completely honest with myself, I, I look at myself and I'm like, well, you're only six one, you're only two hundred some pounds. But then you sit there and go, well, Daniel Bryan. But Daniel Bryan is known as a technical wrestler. I am known. I always, I always drive it back to I'm known as a reality star, and you know, reality stars aren't supposed to be butt kickers. But I think I've proven myself to do that. And honestly, I think it's just bad timing sometimes. And um, you, you know, I, I wish I could tell you the answer. I really do. I wish there was just a, a clear cut answer on why I'm not the guy. Like, uh, and maybe, maybe the, the creative thinks like differently. Maybe they think like, yeah, no, you're the guy, you are the guy. You're just the guy that we can use. Like, I always have this problem. Um, whenever someone comes out of like a meeting or something, they'll go like, oh, uh, you know, you know, I'm like, man, I lost. And they're like, yeah, but you know, tomorrow you'll, you'll, you'll get back on the microphone and nobody will remember that loss. But then I'm like, yeah, but once you start losing quite a bit in WWE, people start looking at you like a loser and you need to have wins under your belt, big wins. And I've always been a bad guy and I'm really good at being a bad guy. I'm not good at being a good guy. I, I, I know I'm not. And sometimes I think that's the reason, because if you look at uh, uh, WWE, it's a good guy business. You know, like you look at our top stars, our biggest stars, they've always been good guys. And so I've always been that, that, that catalyst, that person that's a villain that will do whatever it takes to, I will cheat, I will lie, I will do whatever. And whenever I am going over the hump where people are starting to respect me and say, Ooh, we're cheering this guy now the the cheers are just, I'm just so good at being bad that. It, it, it just doesn't work, in my opinion. Maybe that's it. I think with everything that you just said, I, I would agree with that the most because it has never been a heel company. It's never been a bad guy company. And you're just so damn good at being bad that I don't think people buy into you as much when you're playing that baby face. And with the three different reasons you just gave, I'd say that's probably the most accurate one. And you know yeah, what, Miz, it, it on goes, the show. Trust me. When I'm lying in bed, I'm literally thinking of how I can be more. What can I do to entertain an audience? What can I do to, to make everything more entertaining? Like even right now, like right now is probably um, not, not the most difficult, but I would say like it, it's tough because there's, there's not many fans out there. You know, like we're so used to a fan's reaction. We're used to getting booed by thousands in attendance or cheered by thousands in attendance. And it's no longer like that. So now I'm developing more talents that I didn't even know I had uh, because that's just what we have to do. 
Like I watched the the Boneyard match with AJ Styles and Undertaker and thought it was phenomenal. Thought it was incredible. Uh, I watched the uh, John Cena and the Bra- and and the Fiend match that I was like, God, these are such cinematic. They're so cool. It just goes to show that no matter what happens, you know, WWE knows how to thrive and knows how to make sure that we are giving our audience exactly what they deserve. But I, th- I think it's phenomenal, Miz, that you're talking about how you're trying to be perceived as a bad guy, but you have so much respect from the crowd that they're cheering you. Like, I, I know that's not the, the way you wanted the crowd to go, but it's got to feel like a, a, an accomplishment that you went from the reality star to where you're getting cheered because you're so well respected because what you do in the ring. I learned a long time ago to, to listen to a crowd like to hear a crowd. Like there's a difference between being able to hear it and there's a difference between being able to listen and know exactly what to do on how to get a crowd to where you need them to be. And I think John Cena taught me that the most. Being in the ring with John Cena allowed me to realize what it is to be a main event caliber talent. And you should not stop at anything. You should not ever go down from that. You always have to be at that top level and wrestle at that top level, no matter where you are on the card. It doesn't matter. No matter how much time you have, uh, whether it's one minute, 30 seconds, you need to make the most out of that time. And if you keep making the most out of that time, people will see it, people will respect it, people will understand it. And so knowing how to listen, how to hear, and how to be able to utilize that and say, okay, this is what I need to do to get them where I need them to be. And here's the moment that they're going to remember this entire time. That's awesome, man. I'm telling you, Volley. He, he, I mean, he, he, it, it gives you chills when you hear him talk. It really you does. Know, every, every young wrestler should really, you know, take, you know, take heed to what he's saying because Miz is, you just laid out so many things that I, I wish young wrestlers can hear. All of the all of your success, but yet you're so driven. You're pissed off because you're not on, you know, the poster. And then you're talking about the advice yep. from Cena. And listen, and the biggest thing is the maximizing of the time. That prime real estate on television, even thirty seconds. That's thirty seconds that I have to get myself over, to make myself memorable. And dude, with you, I don't think you've ever bastardized any of your time. I think you've you've utilized it to to the maximum. And I don't think there's one better example in the WWE. WWE of a guy who's or a gal that's been on that roller coaster and to and, and I always tell you this when you come on to to be as low as you were and I don't mean that as a knock to be as low as you were and to get back to the top is almost impossible and that's where I think you know you deserve the most credit during your career yeah but it's also this too so WWE has has so many avenues to go to it's not just the show you can develop things on YouTube podcasts like WWE has adventured into everything. So I remember when John Morrison and I first started wrestling and we were having great matches, but nobody knew who the hell we were. Like they didn't, and nobody cared. Like nobody cared. Nobody knew our characters. Nobody knew our dynamic because we weren't getting promo time. So what did we do? I went, I remember going up to Stephanie McMahon and saying, and, and cutting a promo. And the last thing was like our tagline, be jealous. And she goes, be jealous. I like that. The next day I got a call. And I think this is when Stephanie was the head of creative and I got a call from one of the people and they said, Hey, what's this thing you guys want to do? And it was the dirt sheet. And we started the first ever show on WWE's YouTube channel called the dirt sheet. 
So we were making things. So sometimes when the young, like young guys will come up to me now, like guys like Elias, guys like Apollo Cruz, they always are like, they want, they want to know what they can do more. How can, I'm not where I want to be. How do I get there? And I'll be like, look, if you're not getting TV time, then find other ways to make sure that people know exactly who you are. Right now, we have tons of social media. And I'm not telling you to go do stupid stuff on there, but do entertaining stuff. Things that people might look at and go, wow. I mean, I honestly believe that no one is more entertaining on TikTok than our truth If you watch our truth TikTok, I'm like, the guy is so entertaining. And not only that, but like, Truth will send me like raps that he's doing. And I'm like, these are amazing songs. Like Truth is doing stuff outside to gain attention, to, to entertain an audience. And that is why I think he's still having the successes that he has to this day, because you see the entertainment value, you see what he can do. And so there's just so much more that you can do than just, like I told Elias, I'm like, Elias, how many people can play the guitar and sing at the same time? Like, Do, do your shows on Instagram. Do shows on Twitter. They'll see it. The creative will see it, and they'll love it. This is Luke Thomas, and before the fists fly on Fight Island at UFC 251, join me every weekday to get you prepared for the biggest event of the summer on The Luke Thomas Show. I'll break down the biggest storylines heading into the card, provide detailed previews of all three title fights, and get expert analysis from the best guests in the fight game. Get ready for UFC 251 by listening to The Luke Thomas Show, Monday to Friday from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern, only on your home for MMA, Sirius XM, Fight Nation 156. I'm even more excited about this next guest because he's somebody that's been a pro wrestling fan. You've seen him on Monday Night Raw. You've seen him on an episode of Backstage. We definitely got to get into that. And I've been watching the Netflix series, Mr. Iglesias. It is Gabriel Iglesias joining us here uh, for first time ever on Busted Open. How are you, sir? Good morning. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I love the fact that that uh, that that you know I can be on a show like this because I'm I am a wrestling fan, and and so many times I see uh, celebrities get to appear on shows like this, and they have no clue what's going on, and they're just there to push their thing, and they could care less about what happens. And uh, so I'm, I'm jazzed. Like I I have a I have a, a, a to do list this morning, but. Uh, this- <laughs> something that that I wanted to do. So this this this, this is pretty, uh, you know. I I I took the crowd out my eyes for you guys. I was excited. But look, I have my glasses ready. I'm gonna get my little tape. I'll get my little. You know, you know. Oh Dave just gosh. mentioned about all the you know, like backstage and you know, being on Raw. You also did uh, Stone Cold Show, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I got uh, <laughs> I got drunk with Stone. Cold. <laughs> <That was laughs> Yeah, I, I got I got drunk at his house and and, uh, and I blew up his toilet. It was, uh, it was awesome, man. That's that's I didn't know that was on a bucket list, but apparently it was. Can you please take us step by step from your drunkenness into Steve Austin's toilet and how you blew it up? Uh, well, when um, I had gotten a phone call from uh, from DDP, uh, I'm friends with DDP because because uh, of his yoga program. Uh, he got me into it. And, and so I, uh, he calls me up one day and he's like, bro, Steve wants to interview you. <laughs> and DDP, he's never off. He's always at that same level. You think, you know, some of the guys, they turn it off, but DDP's all, bro. <laughs> 
How does he say it? How does he say it? Wants to talk to you, bro. Wants to interview you. Can I give him your number? I said, are you kidding me? Absolutely. That, that's like a dream come true for me. He goes, okay, he's going to call you from a 310. All right. Let's go. Bang. And then he hangs up the phone. And um, I get a phone call like a minute later, a 310 area code number, and I freak out, right? So I answer the phone, and sure enough, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's Steve. And, you know, I, I wasn't expecting – he's another one, too, where it's like – you get exactly what you get. There's no, I, it wasn't all of a sudden like, you know, hello, this is Steve Austin. No, it was, he, he's the same dude. So he's like, hey, is this that show, bitch? Take off, love it. And I'm like, oh, wow. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> man, a, a bow over here busting a gut wants you to do my show. And I'm like, and he tells me, he goes, he goes, listen, man, Diddy Peace playing me your videos. You're funny as hell. I go, he's playing my videos for you? Yeah, he's right here. And I go, and in my head, I'm thinking, why didn't he hand you the phone? <laughs> I guess you guys don't touch each other's phones. There's some unwritten rules about reading. <laughs> they keep your cooties off my phone. So I get to his house. I'm such a huge fan, you know, and I don't want to be empty-handed. So I go to the liquor store that I passed because he lives in a really nice part of town, and and I pass this Bevmo, and I I walk in there, and I'm picking up a bottle of tequila, a bottle of Jack. Uh, a six pack. And then I make my way back to his, his house. And as soon as I get there, he's outside in military fatigues and uh, camel hat, the glasses. I up and get inside. I can't let people know I'm waiting for Mexican. I go, what? Just messing with you. So inside, <laughs> he's, got, he's got two big ass dogs that he doesn't tell you about until you walk in and they just come right up and they, they attack your crotch. And so you're freaking out. And then he dragged me over into his office and, you know, puts the gear on with the headphones and the mic and everything. And we started doing his show. And, and he goes, what's in the bag? And I pull out the, the alcohol and he just goes, wow. And I go, I'm sorry, am I offending you? He goes, you want to offend me? Don't open the bottle. And so then <laughs> crack open the bottle, man. And we're, we're doing shots. And he pulls out his stone cold skull shot glasses and we're doing shots off of his personal glasses. And I'm like, I know for a fact I am taking someone's make-a-wish moment right now because this is too cool. There's some little kid that's not going to have that moment because I had it. And uh, next thing you know, we're about 40 minutes in, and you can hear when the alcohol starts kicking in because I started repeating myself. And at the end of all that, he goes, listen, I know you're a big fan, so there's something I can do for you. You let me know. And I'm like, can I use your bathroom? And he goes, number one, number two. I go, oh, dude, it's just liquid all day. And so he walks me down the hall and he opens up the door and he goes, you see that bathroom right there? That toilet seen more stone cold stunners than a rock. You go ahead and use that. And he lets me use his personal bathroom and I'm losing. I can't even pee anymore. I'm just taking pictures of the toilet, pictures of the sink. I'm a mean old mark in there. Right. And uh, I don't know what happened. The alcohol kicks in with my you know breakfast basically. And I had, I had to blow it up and um, it was an emergency. And so I, I, I dropped him. I went as quick as I could, and it wasn't quick enough. He's outside the door. And he's banging on the door. What you doing there? And I'm like, oh, God, he's going to kill me. And, uh, you know, I'm hurting. He's outside. He's clearly upset. He's, he's upset. He's drunk. There's a Mexican messing up his toilet. It's not going good. <laughs> I come out the door, and he's got a bottle of Lysol. And he's just, 
he's spraying and he's mad. What the hell are you thinking, man? My wife uses that. What are you doing? You told me you had to go number one. And, and so I started crying because I felt bad. Like I let my hero down a minute ago. He loved me. Now he's making me cry and he hugs me. And so now I'm hugging him in the hallway. Cause he's trying to make me, he's trying to calm me down. <laughs> Phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I didn't think I'd get invited back, but but it was uh, it was pretty cool. He wouldn't let me leave the house until I had a, a driver because I, I was I was faded. I was just so gone. But yeah, I, I dropped the I dropped the deuce at uh, at Stone Cold. <laughs> the only thing that could have made the story better, bully, is if there was no toilet paper. Like other than that, that's like the perfect story. Unbelievable. That, <laughs> when I that, that, hands, that's though, hysterical. I didn't want to use his towels, so I started just doing this number right here. He just like you just wipe it your on hands your shirt. off of yourself. Yeah. Too funny. Too funny, man. That is a, that's amazing. Uh, that's why Bully will never invite me over his house is because he knows I would probably do exactly the same thing. All right, so let's really quick because that was just an amazing story. But yeah, I know you came on to promote Mr. Iglesias again. You do that show with Sherry Shepard, who she's also a big wrestling fan. Was on SmackDown, did a whole story with with MVP. Do you guys ever talk talk pro wrestling amongst each other? You know what? She had such a great time doing that. That was during her time on The View. And I remember yeah. seeing that. And I was like, oh, my God, because I've known Sherry for 20 years. So anytime I get to see somebody that's interacting in, in, in that world, I'm like, oh, man, this is so cool. I have a bunch of questions. And yeah, no, I, I thought that was awesome. We uh, we've had lots of conversations about wrestling. We've had we had the big show come on the show. And so that was, that was pretty cool. We had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of downtime and, and the fact that I'm a big guy and all of my stuff on the set is catered for a large man, you know, big show was loving it, man. He's like, God, this chair is perfect. I go, yeah. <laughs> People keep bringing me snacks. This is awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing have you been a wrestling fan all your life and like who did you grow up watching uh since wrestlemania three man uh you know freaking 87 pontiac silverdome a little kid i uh, remember we were stealing cable to watch it and it was, <laughs> it was it was pretty cool i've been been a fan since but only in the last eight years that i actually get to start attending wrestling events and so i've made it a point to go to uh every mania uh except for this one this this was different so uh yeah, yeah i stayed home yeah, because I know you had the uh, WrestleMania Express at WrestleMania 35 in New Jersey at MetLife Stadium. And I know that right when they had that video on WWE.com, and I remember you saying, I'll be in Tampa. If I got enough gas in this, I'm going to Tampa. But unfortunately, nobody was in attendance for WrestleMania this year. But uh, hopefully next year out in L.A., we could all be a part of it again. Yeah, fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Jeez, Fluffy, please. how have you been getting through these COVID times? Like, you know, are you able to do any of your stuff, you know, via social media or like what's keeping you going these days? Um, as far as stand up goes, I, I consider myself semi retired based on this right now because I can't I can't get on stage anywhere. And uh, there's there's too many comics that are getting sick when they're going out there. And I just think that it's a big risk to go to a, a club right now. And, and you can't test everybody. You don't know what's going on. A friend of mine, Dale Hughley, just recently got sick. He's uh, asymptomatic, but it's just like it, it's not the right time to go out there yet. And so I'd rather just wait until everything is clear and and uh, nobody has to have that mask in the front row or, or plexiglass because uh, it's it's pretty much like performing inside of a, a liquor store in the hood. 
right? <laughs> you got to have all kinds of protection. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just laying low and I'm enjoying things. I got my, I got my dogs. I'm, nice. I'm always hanging with my dogs. I'm here at my office, uh, play with my cars. Oh, you know, I, I worked uh, many years and saved up a lot of money and never got to spend any of it. So right now is the time where I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying life. Man, well, we, sh- we have something in common is that next week, I believe in, uh, that it's your birthday. July 15th is your birthday, correct? So yes, what are you going to do to celebrate your birthday? Nothing. It's going to be great. I'm probably going to get really drunk and all my employees are going to get mad at me, but I don't care. <laughs> you want to you come over my house and shit in my toilet again? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could get Bully to put you through a table. You know what? I'd be down. <laughs> Yeah, would you? you would be down. Would you? <laughs> dude, if you can get me up there, yeah. <laughs> Call Devon, dude. Freaking make it happen. <laughs> I didn't know I had oh, it. Oh, man. That, I don't know if we've ever put a comedian through a table. That'd be great. You'd be the first. Mm-hmm. Say, still making history. Tremendous. I think we, <sighs> I think we need to book it. All right, we'll try to we'll try to make that happen. Maybe we should wait it out, you know, because if you're going to go through a table, you don't want to have a mask on. We want to be able to see the expression of fear in your face before you go through the table. Fluffy fear. <laughs> Fluffy fear. <laughs> All right, really quick on the series, Mr. Iglesias, which right now I know it's getting a lot of attention because the cast is so diverse, something in sitcom history that never really happens, but now it's happening with your show. Season number two on Netflix. Talk a little bit about it, please. Uh, I think the beauty of it is that the show was diverse before uh, before the current time of, of people living in fear. I think a lot of the shows that you're going to see moving forward are going to be very, very calculated and very, very mm-hmm. diverse because I, I think everybody wants to check a box now out of fear. Uh, but when we started the show, I made it a point. I said, hey, look, we're going to base it on a real school in Long Beach, and I want people to watch the show and see themselves because it is very diverse. There's a mixture of everyone. So when you watch the show, you can't tell exactly what type of show it is it's like okay uh what do you want to call it because some people are like oh it's a it's a latinx show some people say oh no well there's a lot of black people on the show it's clearly a black show uh is it a white show you know it's it's funny it's like okay what direction uh so it covers everybody it really does and and their thing was gabe you're you're mixing it up too much i go no 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 there's so a lot of samoans along me so we need to have a pacific islander uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they're like dude slow down and then you know this happened and then they're like you know what those were great ideas we'll put that in season three <laughs> gabe but always interests me about comedians and we, we've spoke to a couple of guys on the show is obviously influences i've talked about wrestling like growing up for me it was you know dice and kinnison and guys like that and i i always found myself liking like the dean martin celebrity roasts you know who was it for you who truly made you laugh and who were some of your biggest influences in the world of comedy Robin Williams was uh, was definitely right there. He's probably number one, number two. And uh, it was Robin Williams and Eddie Murphy. Uh, a lot of people don't know that Eddie Murphy was a stand-up comic back in the 80s and then walked away and then started making uh, really good movies until they weren't. And now yeah. they're getting to being good again. And so, uh, yeah, it was those two. Uh, there's another name in there, but he's, he's doing life right now. So I'd rather not <laughs> mention him. <laughs> Uh, understood understood but you know what though for everybody who has netflix watch season two or go back and watch season one of mr iglesias and you know what while you're at it 
I think Eddie Murphy's Delirious is on Netflix too. So watch that. Watch the inspiration and then watch the show. But I know you have a lot of meaty hits to do today. This was a pleasure. Maybe you can join us when you have a little bit more time. Absolutely. I'd love to come on the show again, you guys. This this was a lot of fun for me. And uh, yeah, dude, let's let's go use the toilet. It'll be it'll be great. I'll bring drinks, whatever you want, margaritas. <laughs> me, me, you, and Tommy Dreamer all at the same time. Let's see what happens. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 